Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. ZocDoc is a free app where you can find amazing doctors and book appointments online. And we're talking about booking appointments with thousands of top-rated doctors, patient-reviewed doctors and specialists that you can filter specifically for ones who take your insurance, are located near you, and treat almost any condition you search for. Go to ZocDoc.com humans and download the ZocDoc app for free and then find and book a top-rated doctor today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash humans, ZocDoc dot com slash humans. Welcome to Raising Good Humans. I'm Dr. Aliza Pressman. And first and foremost, will you join me for my masterclass on resilience? It's going to be a live Zoom. It's free for everyone who pre-orders my book, The Five Principles of Parenting, Your Essential Guide to Raising Good Humans. It's going to be a live Zoom. So I'm going to talk to you about all of the important skills necessary to build resilience, but I'm also going to be answering questions so that we can make the research a reality for your unique experiences. I really want to see you there. I'm so excited to get these opportunities to have live interactions. Go to DrLisa.com and you can pre-order or you can go pre-order anywhere you want and just be sure to keep the order number or a picture of your receipt. I cannot wait for this book to be out in the world, but in the meantime, when you pre-order, we're going to get to have all these experiences. This is the second one that I'm doing. If you were part of the first one, you can still come because you pre-ordered. Just keep using that order number and you're also going to get some exclusive content and other fun stuff. Today, we are talking about something that makes sense at the start of the school year, which is what Dr. Ellen Broughton calls bright kids who couldn't care less. She is a prominent psychologist and researcher at Massachusetts General Hospital. She's the executive director of the Learning Emotional Assessment Program and the Kessler Family Chair in Pediatric Neuropsychology Assessment. She's also an associate professor at Harvard Medical School. She's a rock star. But most importantly, today she's here to talk to you about kids who are unmotivated. It's the opposite of healthy strivers or toxic achievement culture. It's when you don't know what to do because something's going on with your kid. They are capable, they are competent, but they don't seem to care. If you enjoy this episode, don't hesitate to write a little review 
and just let me know which episodes you liked. It helps me keep giving you content that you're looking for. And of course, five-star ratings are always nice. So I want to dive right into this core problem. We hear this from parents all the time. They know their child is smart. They know that they are capable and they just can't motivate and they don't understand how to help support their kids. And it turns into a cycle of fighting and feeling disappointed and feeling not enough. And on the other side of it, is lots of information about high-pressure parenting and achievement pressures and outcome-based and all of this. And so I think parents are getting so much confused messaging because they don't want to push inappropriately, but they also are like, I am here to support your growth and development. How do we do this? Can you just make this all easier? Oh, I hope so. I think, you know, a good place to start is with what is motivation? And motivation is, it's the reason why we do the things that we do. And a lot of kids these days don't really have a purpose or reason. And we've kept them so busy. You mentioned high pressure parenting. And I think when we have a child who's truly unmotivated, what do we want to do? We ramp things up and we push them. We fill their calendars with more things. We get desperate. And that usually is not something that helps motivation. So our natural tendencies when we have a child who's unmotivated is to you know, push them more, which actually just gets into this cycle of a child who then becomes less motivated. And think about us as adults, when somebody wants us to do something or when we're just feeling sort of like blah and unmotivated. And a lot of us still are. I mean, the pandemic isn't you know, that far behind us. And we're feeling like, you know, what's what's our purpose? What's the reason behind all this? Do I want to work in, the, in an office? Do I, you know, what do I want to do? And kids are feeling that same thing. And the way out is not to immediately say, well, you need to start doing this, this, and this. It's actually really the best way is, is to kind of reflect. So I talk about that a lot in the book that at, at the end of each chapter, I really summarize with questions, questions to ask ourselves questions to ask our kids and, you know, things to reflect on. And I think that's a good place to start is with just sort of thinking about who is my child? What are they good at doing? And what are the sorts of things that make them want to do more? So this first part of it really is kind of understanding who is my child, not who do I want my child to be, but who is my child finding some of their strengths. But here's the challenge. How do you find strengths in your child? if you feel like those strengths aren't aligned with what you perceive as something to bother with. I don't know if that sentence made sense, but that that idea that, okay, well, my child's so smart, so wonderful, so amazing, and yet their strengths and interests are going to the mall <laughs> or yeah. like wanting to hang out with their friends. And I'm, you know, like, how do I pull out from that? the strengths that we're talking about. Yeah, I think some of those things that you mentioned are developmentally appropriate. Like, again, as adults, we have strengths and we still love going shopping for some of us or like, do you know, pampering ourselves or or watching a whole season on Netflix. Watching a season. Exactly. Yeah. And so, so we can't necessarily, you know, parents oftentimes look at that 
and say, well, that's all my child wants to do. I think the first thing to do when you're looking at your child's strengths is you have to put your own expectations aside. And sometimes you even have to put your child's strengths aside in some ways, because you might have a child who's actually very good at playing soccer, but doesn't love playing soccer. They're just naturally gifted at athletics, but the athletics that they want to do is not what you want them to do or even what they're good mm. at. Like sometimes the things that motivate us are not the things that we're naturally super great at. So I've worked with families where there was a child who like was very gifted musically as a young child and just decided like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to play violin. I'd prefer to do something else. And so you have to be constantly in the process of sort of thinking about analyzing and letting go of what we want our kids to be. And sometimes what we want our kids to be are really great. I, I put an example in the book about how when I was pregnant with my first child, I was thinking and talking with other parents about there's nothing my child could do that will disappoint me. Nothing. And when you have your, you know, when you're pregnant with your first child, you really think that's true. And then you have a child, you realize, oh my God, there's a million ways they can disappoint me. There's yeah. so many ways and that's okay. And you just have to be able to say, all right, I, I've got to get out of the way and listen to what it is they're saying. Now, if they're spending a lot of time on social media and the mall or doing, you know, all those sorts of things, you've got to be able to then sort of triage what is normal behavior and what is spinning their wheels behavior. So social media video games are not necessarily things they do because they love doing them. They're things they do in the absence of having other passions. So sometimes it's a matter of having that conversation. Like I noticed that you're spending a lot of time on social media or playing video games. Are you really happy with this? Is this really what you want to do? And lots of kids will say, not really. Well, then the conversation becomes, well, what would you like to do that supplements that sort of thing? And so it, it's really about having conversations as opposed to directing the course. So the new school year is coming up. If a parent is like, I know that social media is their primary joy. <laughs> and I ask them, you know, is that really how you want to be spending your time? Is there anything that you feel like you can persist at that's outside of screens and malls or whatever it is? Mm -hmm. Or... And, and then I want to also get back to what if they don't want to persist at the thing that they are very good at and how do you, you know, do you let go of that or do you help them find other ways to build that? But before I go there, what about when you have that conversation with your child and they're like, I just, I haven't found anything that really gets me going. How can you help them search for something and do they need to find something? I mean, I do think that we all need to find something. It doesn't have to be mastery at baseball or chess or whatever. It can be just, right. I love to read or I love to help out at the animal shelter or I love to, we need to start to value those sorts of things, those sorts of qualities in kids that aren't academic, that aren't sort of achievement oriented. So for right. some kids, it's really noticing the things that they do that they seem happy doing. So for example, you might have a child who's just really good at helping others. And you can say, you know, you're so great with the neighbor's child. And what could you do that would either help you make money or what would make you feel gratified and help them think about those sorts of activities? The other thing that you want to do when you've got a child who's really like, I don't know, 
is to to reflect back again on the things that you see them doing that are great, but then also talk to other people about what they see as the strengths in your child. And I, you know, as a psychologist, often work with families who are at their at their wits end in this, really child who are very unmotivated, but even in kids who are just sort of like, blah, and a lot of kids are these days, to just say, okay, well, you know what? So-and-so's mother said that when you're at their house, you seem to be very happy when you do this. Or when you're with your grandparents, they always tell me how wonderful you are at whatever it is. So it's those sorts of things that really are being very hyper aware of the sorts of things that your child does, the sorts of things where your child tends to be happy, and the things that you you mentioned persistence. What are the things that your child persists at? And to say, you know, you persist at doing Instagram posts. What else could you do that might be fulfilling for you in that way now, as well? Now a word for my sponsors. One skin stands out by targeting the root cause of skin advancing, not just the surface level signs to promote healthier skin from the inside out. One skin can be used on its own or combined with your current favorite routine products. It's vegan, it's cruelty-free, it's fragrance-free, and it's got the skin safe seal of approval, which means it's suitable for even the most sensitive skins. I used it for a month before I would talk about it with you because I know that it matters to you that you're getting advertisements that you can believe in. And I got to tell you, I love one skin. My skin is very sensitive, very dry, and I've used it on my face and neck and the eye cream on the delicate part of my eye. And I feel like my skin is smoother. My skin is softer and I'm super into it. One Skin is the world's first skin longevity company. One Skin addresses skin health at the molecular level, targeting the root causes of maturing skin so that skin behaves, feels, and appears healthier. It's time to get started with your healthy skin, eye, and body routine at a discounted rate today. Get 15% off with the code goodhumans at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with the code goodhumans. We only have one body, one skin, and only you can choose to make it better. Skin age healthy with one skin. We all know as parents how daunting food allergies can be. Mission Mighty Me developed a line of proactive puffs that make it simple to include peanuts and other common food allergies in infant diets as pediatric guidelines now absolutely recommend. Mission Mighty Me is a really innovative food company that I thought was so cool. It was started by the Learning Early About Peanut Allergy Study, which was led by the Mission Mighty Me co-founder, Dr. Gideon Lack, found that regularly feeding peanut-containing foods to babies starting as early as 4 to 11 months of age until age 5 reduced their likelihood of developing a peanut allergy by more than 80%. Mission Mighty Me are completely organic snacks. They are made with actual strawberries and banana, no artificial ingredients or flavors or added sugar. They're yummy. They quickly dissolve and melt in little mouths, and they are a safe and delicious way to follow feeding recommendations for introducing common food allergens to babies and toddlers and keeping them in the diet regularly. Visit missionmightyme.com to learn more and use the code HUMANS for 20% off your first order, that's missionmightyme.com and use the code H-U-M-A-N-S at checkout for 20% off your first purchase. 
That's missionmightyme.com and use the code HUMANS for 20% off your first purchase. Now, is this the kind of conversation that you want to have with your school-age kids and your middle school, high school at the beginning of the school year? Is there a way to approach it that doesn't feel heavy-handed? Yeah, I think having an open-ended discussion at the beginning of the school year is a fantastic idea. So what I recommend is really talking about, okay, you're starting fifth grade, you have this much time in the afternoons, talking about how much time you have to do for homework, what are the sorts of activities you want to do that you're interested in doing this year? And to think about what kind of commitment you want to give to that. So a lot of times kids start things at the beginning of the year. They don't want to persist at them. And I think having a goal in mind that, okay, if you decide you want to do soccer this season, we're committed for eight weeks and we will then readjust our goals. And that's the other thing too, is to have these kinds of conversations at the beginning of the year and say, okay, let's give this a shot for six weeks and see what happens. The other thing too, for high school students is to talk about what are the kinds of activities and classes they want to really push themselves in? So, for example, you might have a very bright child who's really good at lots of different academics, who they don't want to do all AP classes. And so you might need to have that conversation where they might. And in fact, I think I even do an example of this in the book where I was in a meeting with the school team for a particular child and the parents are like, well, he could ace every AP class. I'm like, he could, but does he want to? Does anybody want to? Who wants all AP classes? Pick a few things that you really want to excel in, devote your time to that, and then kind of slack off in some of those other things. Slack off might be too hard of a word, but really sort of say, you know, I can't be great at everything. Nobody really wants to be great at everything. So what are the things you really want to devote your passions to and want to do? And if your child is like, leave me alone, like what I'm hearing from you is I'm not enough this way. How can you approach it without making them feel like you're saying you have to do so much this year? I mean, What I'm getting at is when the kids are super unmotivated, how can you help them understand that you love them exactly as they are? And also you're there to help them figure out how to have a little bit more purpose. You know, one of the simplest things you can do is to just reflect what you're seeing and reflect what you're hearing. So if they're saying like, when you, you know, like, what, am I not enough? One of the easiest things to do is just reflect back. Oh, you know, you're thinking, I'm thinking you're not enough let me tell you what I'm feeling and thinking. And and there isn't sort of a 12-step program for that kind of motivation. The best place to start is by reflecting back what you're seeing. And another thing you can reflect is what I'm seeing is you're spending a lot of time in your bedroom alone. And when I see that, I start to feel anxious myself. So you know, and then a child, an adolescent, a, a, you know, a middle schooler can say, well, I don't know what you're so worried about. Well, let me tell you what I'm worried about. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this isn't something I should be worried about. Help me understand why I shouldn't be worried. And that starts that sort of discussion. I should say too, that we we should think about motivation. And I kind of talk about this as kind of being three-pronged. If you think of motivation as that fire, that you've got to sort of think of what does fire need? It needs air, 
it needs time to breathe. So you've got to build that into the schedule that your child has this time, the space they need to take ownership of their own interests and skills. And so you don't want to give them too much space, but you also want to give them some space. You know, too much, again, kind of thinking it as, as a fire, too much air is going to put out the fire. Too little will quench it, you know, too. And then also it needs fuel. Do they have the skills and support that they need? So you want to mm -hmm. make sure that you're, you, what you're asking your child to do, they've got the time, but also the skills that they need. And that's, again, looking at your child accurately. So th then you also then want to kind of think like, are they being exposed to the kind of activities that ignites that spark, that keeps that heat? Again, too much of each one of these things is not going to work. Too little isn't going to work. But sort of think about that. Do they have the space? Do they have the skills? And do they have that sort of like, you know, that spark? That Am I kind of fanning the flames or am I coming on too strong? Okay, so now I'm thinking about those kids who have motivation and purpose outside of school, but inside school, you know they're capable of the work. You've addressed whether or not there's a learning difference or something that might be getting in the way of their understanding, and so they're shutting down. You know they're capable. What do you do to start the conversation of, what are our goals this year? If there is no internal motivation, at what point do you start thinking, do I need to externally motivate them? Is this just not their gig? And so I need to let go. How am I helping them understand that in the long term it might matter more? And this is probably more important the older kids get because parents start to have so much investment. What about college? What about your future? And if kids don't care, what is the way into a conversation to balance helping them find some way to motivate, but not making them feel like what their commitment is to their academic life isn't everything to you? Well, I think one of the things we've got to step back from as a society and parents is that academics is the be all end all and college is the holy grail. And I see so many students who just aren't into this whole college trajectory. And the way they tell us is by becoming unmotivated. So one of the things, if you've got a high school student and they seem really unmotivated, it may be that they're actually quite motivated to tell us that I don't like the path you're setting for me, or I'm anxious about the path you're setting for me. And although we think college is for everybody, it really isn't. And over half of the kids who start college don't finish. So to have those conversations about what do you want to do after high school is over, having those conversations at 12 and 13 are okay. And to say, you know, there are lots of paths to adulthood and I'm open to all of them, even if in your heart you're kind of not. And I, you know, I have two kids, one finished college, one superstar academically, and the other was sort of a superstar interpersonally and didn't finish college. But when he was in high school, I thought that was the only way through. And he told me in lots of ways, and I see this in my practice, they're just saying like, you're not hearing me, or maybe we never even had the discussion. So I'm just not going to show up for, for chemistry class every day, because then I... College isn't a possibility. You know, this is the only way I have to tell you 
that I can't do what you want me to do, or I don't feel competent, or there are lots of reasons. It doesn't mean that just because a child is unmotivated, you need to get off the college track completely. It just means that you need to start having those conversations like, and, and not assumptions about college. I think that, that the college process is the number one reason right now why some kids are so unmotivated. They're just rejecting it all by just giving up. Exactly. They're, they're telling us that I can't do all of this. On the other hand, too, I also want to say the absolute opposite end of the spectrum are the kids who are hyper-focused on college, hyper-anxious, overdoing it, and they're feeling depressed and anxious for totally different reasons, and it's not good for them either. And this isn't just high SES kinds of parenting. This trickles down to all levels of society when the, you know, the, the higher educated part of society feels this way, it makes it difficult for everyone along the, the, the continuum. And so this, this is an issue that affects everyone. Okay. So going back to, and, and I agree, and that's a whole other conversation is just kind of what is going on. Like we're off the rails. Yeah. And it does feel like there's two extremes, like hyper-motivated to the point where you're like, what, please stop, 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 stop. Let's take a beat and figure out why it's so important to you to constantly achieve, achieve, achieve. And because when you get off that train, what, what are you expecting? And then there's the extreme of the low motivation and you feel super concerned about like, what is their purpose? Instead, I'm seeing like getting them and parents to sort of figure out who and what is this person and what do they need and figuring out how to be motivated in something that matters to them and accepting that the thing that matters to them may not be academics, but maybe because they've, you know, you've helped them find something that matters they'll be able to give enough attention to the school that it's not, you know, making you feel like they should just drop out of high school. And now a word for my sponsor. My sponsor, KiwiCo, has been really helpful for everybody over the summer when it was time to make memories with your kids, but like not have to constantly come up with non-screen time things to do. And now they're here for you for the start of the school year, for the fall, for when KiwiCo delivers these monthly science and art projects that turn curiosity into creativity, from creating giant bubbles to experimenting with ice cream. Kids can learn with seriously fun, hands-on projects. And there's something for everyone because you can discover subscription lines for kids of all ages, babies, preschoolers, elementary school. There's fun stuff for everybody. We did making ice cream. And let me tell you, that's fun, really, even if you're a teenager. As a parent, it can be hard to find creative ways to keep your kids busy and challenged. Yes, they need to be bored. That's so important for promoting all sorts of growth. Yes, they're going to watch screens, but KiwiCo does the legwork for you so that you can spend quality time tackling projects together, or you can have them do projects and not worry about it, but no, they're not on their screens. Have an awesome fall with KiwiCo. Get 50% off your first month plus free shipping on any crate line with the code RGH at KiwiCo.com. That's 50% off your first month at K-I-W-I-C-O.com, promo code RGH. Being able to say, you know, school isn't your thing. And for some, 
sometimes it's great to reflect as a parent, maybe school wasn't your thing either, or your brother's thing, or your, like school isn't everybody's thing. And that's okay. Like there are, you know, I've been doing psychology long enough where people ask me like, what's the main ingredient in kids who become successful adults? I'm like, they grow up. Like all of our kids grow up and nearly all of them grow up in successful adults. And so we have to kind of keep that in mind, you know, with the exception of, of kids who might have significant mental health challenges or medical challenges, but for the most part, they do. And so I think having, being able to just accurately say that, you know, I know you're, you're capable. I know you're smart. School doesn't seem to be your thing. What can we do to make school your thing? And I will literally say to kids who come in to see me, like, we've got to get you through high school. Like high school is, is an absolute that is non-negotiable. So what can we do to make high school the best experience for you? And sometimes just having someone say that to them is like, oh, all right. So the goal is it's getting through high school. And then there's a, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. It may or may not be college. And that can take that burden off of them. And, and the other thing that I think I, I didn't mention before and probably should is this whole idea of pleasure. We don't really talk a lot in our culture about pleasure. And what we're really talking about, we're talking about motivation, is that kernel, that, that spark is what makes us not necessarily just happy as I want to just be a happy person, but that issue of, you know, what gives me joy, what gives me pleasure and thinking about, you know, reflecting on that with your child, I think is, is just something I've, I've had parents say to me, I don't want to ask my child that because I'm afraid of what they'll answer. And if your child is like, nothing gives me pleasure, that is more of an underlying sort of depression or something that, that we need to, to really address more. But oftentimes they'll say, well, you know, I, I, I really love doing this, but I don't have time for it. They really, right. they really are more perceptive about that than, than we think they are. I would love to extend that conversation. So I really love doing this, but I don't really have time for it. How can we help them make the time? And how much of that might have to be that we adjust things that we wanted for our kids? Yeah, I think one of the things that we have to do as parents is to let go of worrying about college. Because I do think that what we are really talking about is making time for that piece that they love to do. And it may not look great on a resume for college. And so letting go of that is the first step. Also looking at how much time you're spending doing things that are unnecessary. It might even take talking with your child's teacher about the amount of homework that they're doing. And that is one of the biggest impediments to having a pleasurable life for lots of families is there's just too much homework to do. And I know that schools are starting to get behind that, but that's that's definitely something. Spending more time with your child doing that pleasurable activity is also an important thing to do. A, a lot of times for kids who have trouble with motivation or don't love school, they oftentimes love work. They love volunteering. They love working. And so that child who you're worried about their executive function skills, their ability to do well in school can sometimes at age 14 be terrific in, you know, working in a coffee shop at a hardware store. They're learning all of those skills that we want them to learn in school, but on the job. 
And that can sometimes kickstart their motivation about going on to school, doing better in school, performing in school. So there are just different ways to come from the side to, to think about this. And also, I really do hear that it's like everything in this field. It's sort of a space between the extremes that we hear about. And for motivation on either end of the spectrum, it sounds like it's just because we struggle to help our kids find a middle ground because this is an era where a middle ground is incredibly unappealing for some reason. Oh, it is. I mean, well, we're not middle ground people. I mean, we're really, do you know what I mean? Our, our culture just isn't. And, and you know, one, one of the other things, though, to find that middle ground, even to, to sort of thinking about pleasure or, or what our child's strengths are, is to think about what you're grateful for. Talk a lot about gratitude because we tend to be grateful for the things that give us pleasure. And so even if you can just infuse that into your daily life with your child, and even apathetic high school students are okay with talking about, well, you know, like, what are you grateful for? If you could say thank you for one thing in your day or this week, what would it be? That gives you some sense of what they're good at and what gives them pleasure and what you can build upon. So if they say they take great pleasure in like dessert or something, or like maybe they can start figuring out ways of baking or making things that they can serve to people and to themselves. Like I'm just trying to open up the the scope of what motivation is, is like, because I do think people hear motivation and they just automatically think academics. They do. They hear motivation. They're like, how can I put more into my child's into my child's schedule as opposed to less. And really what I'm talking about here is just sort of giving giving that space to sort of breathe. You're exactly right. Like motivation might be something like, I'm really thankful for my friends. Well, that's great. Like that kind of skill is much better than organic chemistry. It's the, a lifelong skill and being able to reinforce your child for that and to say, okay, so you love being with your friends. It seems to me like that's your number one motivation for going to school and that's okay. But we want to make sure that your academics are good enough so that you can really enjoy your social relationships that you have at school. And one thing builds upon the other. Do you know what I mean? Once you start to know that connection between what you love at school and feeling like, okay, so I need to do the minimum in order to have these relationships that I treasure, you start to do more than the minimum. So what's the disconnect between when parents are worried and when they should be worried? Because I think there's like a big space between when it's actually a problem and where we perceive it as a problem. I think you're exactly right. I think some apathy is just normal in kids, first of all. And they're going to be more apathetic with their parents than they are with anybody else in their lives. And that's okay. And that's why when you're really concerned, one of the best places to go is with relatives, other people's parents. Like, you, know, you might have an apathetic a middle schooler in your house, but when they're at somebody else's house, they're like, oh my gosh, he's so helpful. He's just a joy. You know, listen to what they're saying too and reflect that back to your child. So that's one thing to, to keep in mind. But then when we should be worried is when we do have a child and we are talking about things like gratitude, what makes you happy? And they're like, nothing. That's a child who I start to think is about, are they depressed? We also want to be thinking about the kind of child who you know loves 
playing baseball, for example, but you get to the baseball practice and they can't get out of the car because they're too anxious. At that point, it's not about motivation. It's about treating the symptoms of anxiety. And same thing for a child who can't think about anything that makes them happy. That's a depressed person. That's part of depression. And so those sorts of things are triggers for us to hear as parents. Things like aggression, poor impulse control, oftentimes kids, especially adolescent boys, pre-adolescent boys who are depressed, actually act out their depression with aggression. So those are the sorts of things. And uncooperative to the point where you feel like the family is constantly walking on eggshells and you're always watching what you're saying, that's beyond motivation. Then we're talking about a different kind of problem that has a different sort of set of solutions. Can we close up here thinking about when you talk about raising the child you have, not the child you thought you might have, you wish you might have, you kind of are pretending you have, and how we can get ourselves there to help support this seemingly unmotivated child whom we love and adore. Yeah. So raising the child you have, not the one you wish you had, is is what I call, you know, it's sort of, to me, the holy grail of parenting. It's hard because we always, you know, we want our child to be a reflection of who we are. So I think one of the best things we can do is to kind of think about what are the experiences that we had as a child that we hope our child will have? And what are the sorts of things we want them to avoid? And not necessarily arrange their life around that, but to be aware of who we are too. And so thinking about kind of like, what are the parental expectations that we have? What are the ones that we can't let go of? And that's okay too. What are the ones that we can let go of? And also being able to say as a parent, oh, wow, I completely blew it. I've been trying to be a different kind of parent than the one I wanted to be or a different kind of parent than my child needed. That's okay. Like we'll all do that as parents, all of us. We will never be in sync with the child that we that we have. And that's okay. That parenting is really a process of experiencing that, resetting our goals, resetting our sights, readjusting who we are. And that's really what it's all about. You know, I know it sounds sort of trite to say it's sort of a journey, but it kind of is. It's sort of like always being aware of who we are and working towards that, you know, capacity to empathize with the child we have and empathize with ourselves. Because when we look at the child that we have and let them be who we are, we're also losing something. Do you know what I mean? Like we're losing like, oh, I wish they would have been whatever. And that's okay. We, you know, we've got to be able to empathize with them, but also with ourselves that this is a hard process of being a parent and that's okay. Like that's the hardness is, is part of the good stuff too. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.